if all you have to burn is your body fat, um, you're going to feel horrible. You'll, you can, you can finish the race, but you won't perform well. So you don't want to be relying on your body fat. If your if your goal is to perform at your best. So you need to get in those calories. The gel is extremely concentrated. It's way more concentrated than your cellular fluids. So if you just take gel or like a couple of gels and they're in your gut and you're, and you have not diluted them with water somehow, then you're going to get reverse osmosis. So a lot of people, so many people that I talk to say, oh, I can't use gels. They bother my stomach. So here's the question. How do runners like us remain active, get stronger, and heal from injuries without being told to stop running and create a healthy life for ourselves so we can continue to hit PRs well into our 40s and 50s? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. My name is Dr. Dwayne Scotty, physical therapist, educator, and creator of Spark Physical Therapy. Welcome to the Healthy Runner Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Healthy Runner Podcast. And I have a special guest with me tonight, Mike Mathewson, who is president of Crank Sports to talk to us on how you can achieve your full potential at your next virtual event by getting your event fuel and hydration dialed in. Hey, Mike, how are you? Good. How you doing, Dwayne? Very good. Thanks for joining us on the Healthy Runner yeah. Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. So, Mike, every episode we get started with a little dynamic warm up. Big fans of the dynamic warm up before a run. So, please tell us who are you, where are you from, and why do you like to run, or why do you like to uh, work with the running community? Uh, my name is Mike. As you know, I'm from. I was born in New York. Lived in a few places in New York, and live out in California now, where that's where Crank Sports is based. And I've pretty much run my whole life. Uh, I think I started running when I was like seven or something like that. Um, and my, my running career kind of culminated back in the eighties when I was trying to qualify for the Olympic trials. And then I had kind of a career ending competitive career ending injury, but I've continued to run and stay, uh, as active as I can in it. And I've just, I've, I was in the tech industry for a long time, but running has always been my love. So I was fortunate enough about 18 years ago to be able to blend my experience in technology and running into to starting this business. And uh, I, I, so I do all day long. I talk to athletes all day long, helping them with their running and training. And it's, uh, I like to help to make a difference, you know? Nice. And I think uh, you had mentioned that we have something in common here. So I grew up in New York in uh, Long Island, but okay. where in New York are you from? Yeah, that's a different country where you're from. Yeah, I lived in <laughs> Western New York mostly. I was born in Buffalo. I also lived in uh, Schenectady. And a little town up on Lake Ontario between uh, Rochester and Syracuse, a town yes, called yeah. Huron. Tiny town. There was not, not even a store in Huron. There was a cheese stand. As a matter <laughs> of fact, I think my sister is on here tonight. And uh, so when I was in high school, we never ran. I was on track and cross country. Our longest run ever was seven miles. We never trained longer than that. And I'll never forget my sister was, she was a, she was a really good collegiate runner. And, um, uh, she was home. She probably doesn't even remember this, but uh, this would have been the summer of 80, 1980. She took me out for my first 10 mile run and I thought I was going to die. And it was, it was, it was to the cheese stand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's in uh that's what we call upstate New York. 
So Mike, we just got through our virtual Spark Your Soul virtual 10K this past weekend. Um, we had a blast. So we, we did some local, basically virtual runs. I did some home fitness program for folks during COVID for three months. And we wanted to kind of put a nice little bow tie to our quarantine here in Connecticut uh, by doing some virtual races. So we have a little series going. We did a 5K, then we did a 10K, and we actually have the half marathon coming up in two weeks. So that's why yeah. I wanted to bring you on now so you can actually help us prepare for our half marathon. So most of my runners that I'm working with from a coaching standpoint, I have them running either 11 or 12 miles this upcoming weekend. And then obviously we have the 13.1. So I'm hoping that you're going to be able to help us out, educate us on how we're going to be virtual winners in uh, two weeks, because with in-person races canceled, you know, it's been a little rough, but the yeah. virtual option, we've been able to embrace it. I've, I've noticed the benefits. It's not the same. I'm not going to say it's the same, but nothing's it's the same definitely right now, better. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely better than nothing, honestly, just to keep folks uh, motivated. Have you done any virtual stuff at all during this time period? I haven't. I've, I, a lot of my friends have, yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar with it, but I haven't, I have a, uh, most of my, most of my stuff is individual and just out training in the trail somewhere. Yeah. Yep. But I think, nice. that, I think the virtual is great because people really need that, that, that connection. Absolutely. So yeah, so Bridget's here. Hey, Bridget, how are you? She says virtual winner. Shauna says virtual winner. Tanya says virtual winner. Trisha says me. She spent most of her <laughs> afternoon trying to plan her 11 mile run for Saturday and figuring out how to incorporate fueling and hydration oh, along the way. Yeah, so, Trisha, this is for you tonight. Yeah, yeah Mike's going to drop some knowledge here. So let's get into it, Mike. Let's start out with our first question. So if you can kind of lay the foundation for us, what is the difference between simple sugars and complex carbohydrates? Yeah, that's a that's a big one. Um, uh, and there's I'll I'll cover it as much as I can here, but I have there's another whole video on my site that kind of covers this on our site. But that's a this is one of the biggest things that that companies don't like to tell you or people just don't understand. So uh, most products out there are loaded with simple sugars and they do it because it makes it sweet and people like sweet things. When you're training or racing, uh, you want to you want to get maximum energy uptake from from the food that you've that you're ingesting. And the water is the transport vehicle that's going to carry it in. Okay. So you you want to you want to be doing gels and water or sports drink, one of the two, as opposed to like a protein bar or something like that. And we can talk about why you don't want to do that later. But water water is the transport vehicle that's going to carry that that energy, the carbohydrates, whether it's simple sugars or complex carbohydrates, into your cellular system. And the way that it transports it, it's it's osmosis. If you remember your tenth grade biology, you have a membrane. And on either side of it, you have a fluid. In this case, you have your cellular system over here. And on this side is what you've ingested in your stomach and intestinal tract. And you're trying to get it to come across the, the membrane this way. Well, in order for that to happen via osmosis, what's over here, what's in your gut has to be an equal or lower concentration than what's in it that's than your cellular fluids. And that, that, that concentration is, it's measured in what's called osmolality. It's just kind of technical. I'll try and keep it as simple as I can. Um, and what determines the osmolality of a, of a solution is, um, is basically how many calories you put in there. But uh, if, you, uh, if you've ever heard the term isotonic, 
like an isotonic drink. Most people have heard of that. What that yep. means is it's a drink that's the same concentration as your cellular fluids, okay? You know, water, you can absorb water very rapidly, but it doesn't have any calories in it. Water is called hypotonic. It's less concentrated than cellular fluids. As you add calories to it, it becomes isotonic. And then if you add even more, it becomes hypertonic, like soda or something that's too concentrated. If what's in your gut is hypertonic, then you actually get reverse osmosis. It pulls the fluids back the other way, okay? So you wanna get an isotonic solution in it that has as many calories in it as possible. And this is where the, going back to your question now, uh, this is where sugar versus complex carbohydrates is, is so much different. So uh, sugars by definition have a very uh, small molecular structure. Simple sugars are broken down, okay? Where complex carbohydrates, have a large molecular structure, they're not broken down. And what determines the osmolality of that fluid is how many particles are in it, not the size. It's how many, how many particles, okay? So if you have two glasses of water and one of them you start adding sugar and the other one you start adding complex carbohydrates, one particle at a time, the, they're both gonna eat, reach the isotonic state at the same point, but the one with the complex carbs, because they have a larger mo molecular structure, you're gonna have about twice the calories in that solution, okay? What that means is, as you're drinking these two drinks, they're both gonna get absorbed at the same rate, uh, but the one with the complex carbs is gonna give you twice as much energy, okay? And you might say, well, Mike, why don't I just drink twice as much of the, of the one with the sugars in it? Well, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way because while the water is the transport vehicle for the calories, it's also the limiting factor your body can only absorb, absorb about 30 ounces of fluid an hour, that's it. If you drink more than that, uh, it, you're just gonna pee it out. It's gonna go to your bladder, it's not gonna help you. Uh, so that 30 ounces of water per hour, and the, the longer you're running, the more important this becomes. You wanna maximize how many calories are in there. And the only way you can do that is with complex carbs. That's, okay. that's the main, that's, there's, there's also things to have to do with blood sugar and things like that, but that's, that's the main differentiator. Yeah. So what I got out of that is that you're saying that the complex carbs are going to essentially provide more long lasting energy. So if you have a long run, then you're, that's going to fuel you a little yeah, bit. It's going to last longer. It's going to last effectively twice as long where the, where the, if you're using simple sugars, um, yeah, you just, you're not have you're not going to have as much energy. You're going to have half, half the energy. <laughs> So right. in a short race, if you're doing like a 5K or something like that, it's not going to be as critical. But when you get into a marathon in particular, half or, or longer, it becomes really critical, especially with a marathon, for example. I mean, what the marathon wall is all about, your body, your, 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 what I call your, your fuel tank, your onboard fuel tank, can hold about 2,000 calories max, okay? Um, and every runner burns about 100 calories a mile, regardless of body type, size, speed. It's about 100 calories a mile it takes for the human body to run a mile. So somewhere around mile 2000, mile 2000, somewhere around mile 20, you're That'd on board. a really long run. Yeah, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere around mile 20, your onboard fuel tank runs out of, out of gas. And what you're left with is body fat, which you can run all day long on body fat, but that's a survival fuel. If all you have to burn is your body fat, um, you're going to feel horrible. You'll, you can, you can finish the race, but you won't perform well. So you don't want to be relying on your body fat. If your if your goal is to perform at your best. So you need to get in those calories. 
Okay. That makes sense. And, and we did have an earlier episode within the Healthy Runner podcast that we talked, we had um, a dietitian, uh, Julia, on, and she had talked about kind of similar to what you're talking about in terms of uh, complex carbs. And we talked about like pre-race fuel right. and yep. we talked about oatmeal. We talked about bananas. Yep. We talked about some good foods. So I know you mentioned, you kind of mentioned gels in there and drinks. Yeah. So what is the best way to fuel for running in terms of improving performance? So you don't hit that wall that you're talking about. Is right. it bars, chews, gels? What, what do you recommend? It's, it's going to be liquid for sure. Uh, and it's, it's, it's either going to be a drink or gels with water and for runners. It's normally going to be gels with water. The difference is that if a drink, if it's a drink, now you have to carry whatever 40, 50, 60 ounces of fluid, which is just going to slow you down. The beauty of a gel is it's basically everything but the water, right? It's got the carbs, the electrolytes in there. You suck down your gel and then you, and there's water available on the course. Um, typically, um, where the problem with the bars and shoes and anything that has Fats, fibers, and proteins is where the problem comes in. Because the, as I talked about a minute ago, these fluids are getting absorbed through osmosis. There's no digestive requirements. Fats, fibers, and proteins have to go through it, have to go through digestive process, which means that your, um, your body has to, well, let me step back for a second. If you think about the, uh, go back to the, like the blood doping scandal, the whole Lance Armstrong thing. The reason, the reason that blood doping works is because it increases your body's ability to carry oxygen to the muscles. The more oxygen you can get out to your working muscles, the faster you're going to go, the better you're going to perform, period. Less oxygen, you're going to be slower, okay? So that's what blood doping is all about. Well, your body is extremely creative and extremely adaptive. When you're running, it goes, it, it assesses the body and says, okay, where can I get some blood from to get more to, to use right now to get out to the quads and all the working muscles, right? And so it surveys, area the surveys areas of, of the body that don't need it at that time. And a big user of blood is the whole GI tract, the stomach and, and intestinal tract. So it'll try and shut that down if it can. And, uh, and, but as soon as you ingest fats, fibers, and proteins, they go th have to go through a digestive process. Now the body goes, oh crap, now I have to deal with this. Digestion requires blood. So it draws blood away from your working muscles back to the GI tract to process this food. So you've just, you've just impacted your performance. And a lot of people don't realize it's like, well, you know, I ate, I ate some chews on the race or something like that. And I felt fine. Uh, but what you don't know is what you don't know. You, you don't know how much better you could have performed if you didn't do that. Um, and, and you, you can, I had a race that I was doing uh, a couple of years ago. It was like a, a, a cycling event. It was like a hundred mile cycling event. And I know all this that I'm telling you right now. I, I know this in my head, but it was a, it was a long, grueling race, and I was just, I was sick going into it, and I got to this sag at, like, mile 70, and I pulled in there, and I was just hungry. I was really hungry, and I sucked down, like, a pack of uh, cliff shot blocks or whatever they were and, like, some munchy mix or, well, I don't know what it was, and you look at my power meter. It was one of the only races that I DNF'd, and I look at my power meter after my power just fell off a cliff right coming out of that sag because because the blood went from my muscles to my stomach to try and deal with it. Uh, it's just, it's a really bad idea. And it's, it's unfortunately, so many of the races out there, I guess you don't have to worry about it when it's virtual because you're supplying your own course food, but so many of the races they have, you know, the race directors are, they're in a such, such a tough position because most of them, you know, you're paying, 
a big entry fee, you know, a lot of them don't make money, unfortunately. It's very expensive to put on a race. And so, you know, they're beg borrowing stealing a lot of the, you know, they're they're putting on the course whatever they can get donated or whatever. And and unfortunately, a lot of the time, so what's on the course is not what you want to be eating. Um, so you really uh that's kind of a critical piece is when you're going into a race, knowing what's on the course. And, and usually it's not something you're going to want to use learning how to carry your own nutrition and gels are a very convenient way to do that. Nice. So really gels as well as drinks are a better yep. transport medium yep. than something that has the fats, fibers. Um, stay away from that. What heavy. I would like to say is yep. after the race, indulge in something that tastes really good. The, the problem is there's what your, there's what your uh, brain wants and what your body needs. And unfortunately, they're diametrically opposed. We were trained since we were babies to when we're hungry to eat, right? A baby is hungry, they cry, we give them food and they're happy, right? We're the same way. We're hungry, we get ornery, we eat and we're happy. Well, as a runner, you actually want your stomach to be empty. You don't want food in there, but you're running and you're going, oh, it's like when I pulled through that segment, that food looks really good, right? And I did it, I committed the cardinal sin but you need to get over that. And I, this is one of the things I talk to people all day long. I, I need, I need to eat my food. I'm like, you don't, you trust me, go try this. And they always call back and they're like, Oh my God, it works. It's, it's so much. I I'm performing so much better now. But now, so we talked about energy gels and this is good because I've used energy gels before. Um, so I think I'm on kind of the right track for my uh, race nutrition here. Now does, when you have a gel, do you need to drink water with it? And if so, because I've heard some conflicting stuff, like some people say, like, as you drink, or as you eat the gel, you should have some water. Um, if that's necessary, how much water do you recommend uh, one should intake for each gel? That's, that's several really good questions. <laughs> um, so first on taking water with the gel. So there's, there's some gels on the market are extremely thick. Okay. And you can, you can find stories of people literally throwing up when they take the gel because they can't get it down. So if you're using a thick gel and you'll know it if you're using it, don't even attempt to do it if you're not at a water stop or don't have access to water because you need it just to wash it down, if you will. Other gels are thinner in consistency and you can pretty easily get them down um, without water. So a lot of people take a thinner gel before the water stop at some point. Uh, but as far as uh, at some point, you do need to get in the water because going back to osmosis and biology, gay biology, um, <laughs> the, the, that gel itself in the pack is what's called hypertonic. If you remember what I was talking about earlier, the gel is extremely concentrated. It's way more concentrated than your cellular fluids. So if you just take gel or like a couple of gels and they're in your gut and, you're, and you have not diluted them with water somehow, then you're going to get reverse osmosis. So a lot of so many people that I talk to say, "Oh, I can't use gels; they bother my stomach." And and I hear that all the time. And, and it's really unfortunate because gels. I mean, there's there's you know obviously we make a gel, we think ours is the best, but there's a lot of good gels out there. Okay, and they all work the same way. But if you use them wrong, they're all gonna they're all gonna mess you up. And the uh, so. If you, if you have the water available for it, then it's gonna get properly absorbed. If it's sitting there without enough water, it's not gonna go anywhere. So you're not gonna get the benefits from it. And your body, again, is really smart. Your body will go, oh, there's something sitting there. 
I need to move it along. If he's not going to do it for me, I'm going to figure it out. So your body will take fluids and do reverse osmosis. It'll dehydrate you. It'll pull that fluid back across the cellular membrane into your GI tract to dilute the gel down to the point where then it can finally absorb it. But in the meantime, it's dehydrated you, which impacts your performance negatively. It's potentially bothered your stomach. You might cramp, you might throw up. It's just nothing good happens. Uh, and when you, um, and so as far as how much water you need, with ours, the ratio per gel pack is 14 ounces of water per gel. And when I tell people that, that they say, oh my God, I can't drink 14 ounces. Well, you don't need to drink 14 ounces at once. It's the ratio over time. So when you start your event or your training run, whatever, if you're fully hydrated, which hopefully you are, you have about 30 ounces of water in your stomach and stomach and intestinal tract. And that can be used to process the gels, but your body's also gonna be using that water. So your first gel in theory, you could take it without any water at all because you have plenty of onboard water. Um, uh, the problem is over time, if you let your water intake get behind your gel intake, then you're gonna get yourself in that dehydrated state. And that's where the problems are gonna occur. So I tell people just, you know, just the ratio over time for every gel pack that you've consumed, typically in a, in a race, you know, you can get four to six ounces at a water stop, depending on how, you know, how skilled you are at it and how many cups you take and things like that. So typically take a gel, go through a couple of water stops. You're probably good to get into your next gel at that point. Okay. That makes sense. And I think maybe you're actually, yeah, yeah, you were actually reading one of, uh, someone's minds here who's on here on the live. So Cheryl actually typed into the comment box before you even said it, um, that gels have upset her stomach. So she's used yep. bar or some gels better than others. And I think you answered that question that, yeah, not every gel is the same. Um, yeah. give, give it another chance, Cheryl. <laughs> yeah. And Tanya says, uh, that she doesn't gulp the gel. Uh, she just sucks on it. Doesn't bother yep. her, um, yep. at all. And Kat says that almost everything makes her nauseous after mile 16 gels, et cetera, even with water. Should I focus more on the hydration aspect of How it? How much fluid is she intaking? Usually when I hear that, it's because their fluid intake is, is way behind. This is a big thing. And I think we're going to cover hydration here as well. So you should, um, according to the college, American College of Sports Medicine, which to me, it's kind of the gold standard. You know, they have no skin in the game. A lot of companies out there, they go off and hire some university to do a study that says, voila, they, their magic ingredient is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And it's all baloney. Um, and the American College of Sports Medicine, their, their, their whole job in life is figuring out how to make athletes better, faster, stronger. And there's, it, they have done tons of independent research. And the conclusion that they've come to on hydration is that you should get between 16 and 32 ounces of fluid per hour. And most people go, I can't do that. And you can, you just need to train yourself to do that. Most people are taking in significantly less than that. And those are the people that tend to have the issues that she was describing later in the race. They're just, they're getting dehydrated and nothing good happens. Okay. So yeah, Kat, I know you have that hydration, um, backpack now. So that vest, so put that to some good use and make sure that you're hydrating ahead of time as well as maybe earlier in your runs, because yeah. I know you are running that full. So that's going to be important. That's definitely going to be important for you in terms of your performance and making sure you don't hit that wall, um, as you go. So Kat says, uh, thank you. Great to know yeah. Mike. Uh, 
So just to add on to that, too, yeah, yeah, quick, where because that that's quite a range, the sixteen to thirty-two. What I tend to tell people is where you should be in that range if if you're if you're running at a, a not really intense, you know, if it's more of a training level and it's not hot and it's not humid, then you can be closer to the lower end of that range. But if you're going, if you're, you're trying to perform your best, you know, you're, you're going to high, higher intensity level and it's hot and or humid, then you should be towards the, the upper end of that, that range. And it's, I like to tell people, it's the, you know, your, your body needs from a nutrition standpoint, when you're running, you need carbs, electrolytes, and water. And of those three, water is the most important one. And we don't, we don't sell water. Okay. That water is the, it's the transport vehicle for the carbs and electrolytes. So without the water, the other stuff doesn't work. And it's the, it's the, it's the, uh, the, the, the lubrication for all your muscles and ligaments and tendons. The more, the more you let yourself get dehydrated, the more things start to tug and pull and not work the way that they're supposed to. And you increase your risk of cramping and injuries. And just, again, it's that water is the most important thing. Nice. No, I think that clarifies it. And Kat says she's going to be filling that baby up uh, for her uh, hydration vest. So we have uh, two uh, comments here, and I think this would be, uh, we'll, we'll finish up these and they relate to kind of the gels and then we'll get into um, the hydration. So first off, um, you know, my question to you is because there are a lot of folks who are running half marathon uh, or spark your soul half marathon in two weeks from now and <laughs> a bunch of other virtual half marathons in the next couple of months. Let's talk um, how many gels should we take during a half marathon? Then Sundar also is wondering about training for a marathon. Um, so I guess really gel frequency would be the question or um, yep. how long maybe do you go by duration? How long you are running? I have a different uh, view on this than, than what you'll read on the pack of back of most gel packs. You know, most of them will, will say use one every 30 to 60 minutes, or they have some time frame on there, which if you think about it, doesn't really make sense because if you're sitting on the couch doing nothing, do you need one every hour? Do you don't? Cause you haven't, it's really, it's, it's, it should be proportional to the amount of energy that you're expending. So our, when you're running, it's, it's really easy. It's one every five miles. Um, the, every runner burns about, like I said, it's about hundred calories a mile. So in a, in a marathon, start with a marathon. Um, remember that, remember I was talking about how you have, uh, you have 2000 calories roughly in your fuel tank, if you're lucky, if you're fully carbo loaded and everything like that. So you have about a, and you burn hundred calories a mile, roughly I'm using the rules, rules of thumb. So you have about a 600 calorie, six to 700 calorie deficit. So like with our gels, most gels are 100 calories a packet. Ours are 150. So you do the math accordingly. You know, if you're using goo, which is 100, then you should be taking in six to seven packs of goo. Uh, with ours, it's 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 about it's about five, four or five. Um, so with ours, what I recommend is one every five miles. And typically, I recommend one right before, like in a five to ten minute window before. Which, if if you can, you know, depending some races, you got to get into the corrals really early, and you want to have access to water. So if 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 it's not feasible for that race, then don't. But what's nice is if you take one right before, your body's going to process it right away and you're going to start using that gel in the first few miles. So it's one one fewer that you have to carry. Okay. That makes sense. Did I answer all the questions there? Yeah. No, I, okay. I think that was helpful. So really so it's, kind it's of about every general five miles. rule, about yeah. five miles. Okay. Yep. All right. So you are looking at 
definitely no more, probably really just two or maybe yeah, three and a half for a half marathon, marathon. Two to three, two to yeah. three and a half marathon. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. That makes you sense. You don't, you don't need more. And, and again, you got to remember that the water is critical. So if you run a half marathon and only drink 12 ounces of water the whole way, which I wouldn't recommend, and you try and do three gels, you're probably going to run into a problem. Okay. So you might run into cat's problem there. And then, yes, exactly. uh, yeah. So Trisha says that, can she use a gel about an hour into the run without water? So I think from what I learned, honestly, from you, Mike, uh, let me see if I can answer This is like a quiz. Yeah. This is a yep. quiz for the doc here. Um, yes. So based on what you said, Trish, I think an hour into your run might perhaps be a little too late anyway to start doing um, your gels by then. And then if you're not doing any water at all, I would say maybe that's a little bit too late, right, Mike? Well, yeah, if she hasn't, if she hasn't consumed any water up until that point, she's clearly, there's no available, you're going to, you're asking for trouble. If she's, if she's consumed the water along the way, then it's going to be fine, but, but you're shortchanging yourself because you're not getting as, remember that the whole, you can only absorb so many ounces per hour. You want the complex carbs. It's, it's all about getting maximum energy uptake. So if you don't start taking the gel for an hour, you've just shortchanged yourself. You've, you've, you've lost time. You could have been uptaking energy. You're basically what you're doing is you're hitting your carb stores harder than you should have. You're, you're using more of your onboard fuel, which eventually is going to run out. Okay. All right. Yeah, no, that, that, that yeah. does, that makes uh, complete sense. So yeah, let's, let's shift gears slightly. So we talked, okay. we spent a good amount of time. Thank you. Uh, talking about fueling and how we maintain our energy for our long runs or for our races. And now we kind of started talking about hydration and, and you talked about the importance of getting proper water in there in yep. order to absorb the actual fuel in the gel. Um, but how do we stay hydrated while running long distances? Is it just a matter of having water? Water or, or sports drink. So if you're doing the sports drink, then you don't want to be doing the gels. I mean, you, there's a lot of people, you, you can use both, but if you're using, if you want to use both, you have to also figure out how to incorporate some straight water in there. So a, a good sports drink is already what's called isotonic. So go back to my conversation earlier. It's already at the right concentration to absorb. So you can just drink that drink all day long and you'll absorb it. You're getting your carbs, you're getting your electrolytes and you're getting your hydration. And it's drinks are great because you don't have to worry about how much, how often, you know, how many, how much water per gel you can just take that you can just take them. The downside is that you have to carry it, the weight. Um, uh, so, so for those, mm -hmm. sorry, Mike, just, just for we, if I am a beginner runner and yeah. I grew up in the nineties watching uh, Michael Jordan play basketball and okay. all I saw was commercials about Gatorade. Yep. And yep. then Powerade came along. Is that what we're talking yep. about? Gatorade and Powerade as sports drinks? Is that what you mean? Well, uh, they are two. They are sports drinks, technically. Yes. <laughs> there's okay. there's much better drinks on the market. The, the specialized drinks, of which there's many. You know, we make one, but there's other there's other good ones. They tend to be powder based, and they're and they tend to be the good ones. Again, looking you're looking for low sugar, high complex carbs. Where the Gatorades and the Powerades tend to be 100% sugar. Uh, so it's not what you want to be using. Unfortunately, they're on the course all the time, right? Okay. Um, 
So you want to avoid them for the reasons I was discussing earlier. So yeah, not all sports drinks are created equal for sure. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you there. I just wanted yeah. to, just because I know sports drinks, some people think of that. And even, you know, I work with a lot of adolescent athletes as well. And mm -hmm. when they're doing their sports and sometimes the parents might not know that there are other products out there that probably do a more efficient job at keeping their athletes hydrated, especially yep. right. We're in like mid July now and it's hot, humid, like Connecticut, I think the feels like was a hundred today. Um, and yep. the humidity was just off the chart. So if you have an athlete, like my daughter played volleyball this yep. morning, her practice was at seven 30 AM. They moved it up because it's so hot over here. Right. So I think it's important point for parents, athletes, runners, whoever to know that if you're having those traditional quote unquote sports drinks that yep. have all that sugar in it, you're probably not doing your body good, right. By intaking all yeah. that sugar. Yeah. But, but just to be realistic, you know, Gatorade is everywhere and people are going to use it, especially, you know, playing soccer and things like that. So an important point is that if, if you are going to use Gatorade, you should actually dilute it. Three parts Gatorade, one, uh, yeah, three parts Gatorade, one part water. Uh, if it's the traditional Gatorade, because that will bring it down to that isotonic state. Unfortunately, that the regular Gatorade is, it's too concentrated because it's, they want to put more sugar in it to sell more because it's sweeter. Um, so you should actually, if you dilute it, then you're less likely to get stomach issues from it. Um, you're still not getting the benefits of the complex carbs, but at least it's, it's gonna go down easier. And most people that you talk to that are racing with Gatorade, they're like, oh, I can't take it later in the race. It's like, it's all, I'm all sticky. It's because your body is getting dehydrated. It knows, it's like, I need more water. So if you dilute it down, at least it becomes more usable in my opinion. Yeah, no, that makes that makes complete sense. And I know I used to even do that for my daughters, um, mm -hmm. you know, years ago, I, I kind of did that on my own, um, without knowing that. And you talked about being dehydrated, how, how do we know if we're actually properly hydrated before we actually go out for our run and like people who are preparing for virtual races? Is there like a test that we can do on our there's own a, to kind of, there's a couple ways, uh, you know, the, the most the one that I use all the time, the most obvious one, it's not to be too graphic, but it's, it's your urine color. So, uh, and especially as I've gotten older, you know, the older you are, the more important it is that you stay hydrated. You know, when you're young, you can get away with anything. So when I go out for a run, I, when I go pee, I look, and if it's, if it's, it should actually be the color of Chardonnay is the, you don't want it to actually be clear as water because that means you've actually peed out your electrolytes. That's one of the big mistakes that people do before a race. You know, the day before a marathon or half marathon, they they walk around carrying like gallon jugs of water. It's like, I got to prehydrate, I got to prehydrate. And they're drinking all this water and actually it's bad. Your body can't, remember I said, you can only absorb 30 ounces an hour. And at some point your body becomes hydrated. And now the more you drink, the more you're going to pee. And every time you pee, you're peeing out your electrolytes. And when your pee is, is clear, you've flushed way too many of them away. And if you've ever, ever heard of hyponatremia, which is, it's a, it's a, it can kill you. And that's a, when somebody goes into a race overhydrated and then they drink a lot during the race, um, it tends to be somebody that is, you know, they're running a, a, a longer race, longer duration. I mean, in like, like a marathon and say six or seven hours and they're going through every water step and they're like, oh, I got to take three cups. And they end up in the medical tent. Some of them die. It's it's very hyponatremia is very dangerous. So you can overdrink. Um, so typically, what I recommend is you know drink 
uh, like before a race is to, to drink healthy amount of water the day before, um, not over drink. And then when you wake up in the morning, when you go to sleep, your body will use some of that water. You will be fully hydrated when you go to sleep, but your body will use some of that water just to keep you alive while you sleep. So you'll be partially dehydrated when you wake up. And what I recommend is about an hour before the race that you drink 30 ounces of water roughly. And what that will do is it will give you time to top off your systems and <clears throat> pee out any excess that, that, you, that your body didn't need. So when the gun goes off, you're fully hydrated and your bladder is empty. It's perfect. You know, when I talk to people that say, oh, you know, I had to, I had to, I had to hit the porta potty at mile two. It's because they're drinking 16 ounces right before the gun goes off or something big mistake like that. Or they're taking caffeine right before the race. It's another whole subject. Um, but yeah, if you do what I just described and then drink the proper amount through the race, you should never have to hit the porta potty for number one. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and I see that all the time as mistakes. And mm -hmm. I think that is really one big take home point, guys, is number one, you have to get up early enough. And especially if yeah. races are starting early, especially in the summertime, get, you Couple have to hours. get up like three, you know, two to three hours before your yeah. race, as well as practice your nutrition and hydration during your practice long runs. Yep. So you're not trying something new on race day. So you want to make sure that you are kind of taking your body through those paces and getting used to that routine um, before the big race. So Mike, let's get into our final stretches, like the static okay. stretch, maybe at the end, okay. um, or the final stretch of your half marathon and you're coming down, trying to beat okay. your time. Um, if you can change one thing about the misconception of fueling and hydration with running, Ooh. what would that be? It would probably be the sugar because every product virtually, you know, I, I'm familiar with almost all of our competitors products. And the thing that, that I want to say at least half of them, if not three quarters do is that they, um, that they load them with sugar and, and it, it, it shouldn't be in there. It's just, it's a cheap ingredient uh, and people like sweet things. And so if your objective is selling a lot of something, that's what you do. You load it down with sugar. If you want to make a good product, you don't do that. It's, it's, that's, and unfortunately there's so much money in it um, that, um, that it pays for these companies to give you false information. It's, that's, it's really unfortunate. Yeah. That was, so that was Mike, an easy you, question. Yeah. You, you dropped <laughs> a lot of knowledge. So for those of you who are just kind of tuning in at this point, or I just want to kind of recap some of the things that we covered in this um, live interview podcast. We talked about the differences between simple um, sugars as well as complex carbohydrates. Mike talked about the best ways to fuel for your run to improve performance as far as I, I think, you know, you really kind of spoke to the drinks and the gels as opposed to bars, chews, or, you know, taking a piece of fruit with you on the run yeah. with high fiber. We don't want to do that. Exactly. I learned, <laughs> I learned yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about how much water that we should have with our energy gels. We talked about timing of energy gels and the importance of drinking water, staying hydrated, but not getting too over hydrated right. before right. runs. And then a nice little simple test, the P test. So I actually learned that from watching one of your videos and I oh, love really? it. And that's why I asked you the question because I well, like how you described that. And I actually shared that with one of my runners I was working with today. And I told her, a, and I there is, there is one other way too. I don't like, it's not as, 
but you can take the skin on the back of your hand and, and lift it up and release it. And it should snap back. If it, if it kind of goes like pudding and just kind of droops back down, that means you're dehydrated. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And it kind of makes sense to me um, from an anatomy standpoint. And yeah. so Mike, I'm sure there are going to be a lot of runners who heard this podcast or watched the video on our Spark Your Training YouTube channel and want to learn more about you as well as some of the products um, that you offer at Crank Sports. So what would be the best way for them to check out uh, some of the content? Like I know you got a bunch of videos on your website too that I really yep. enjoyed watching myself. How do, how do they get in touch with you? So if you go to cranksports.com, there's a learning tab. I think it just says learn. And then the, the, in the learning center, you'll see white papers, videos uh, that go through all this content and more. But that's one way they can obviously, um, they can shoot a, 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 they can contact us through Facebook direct message or uh, Instagram. Instagram, we're at cranksports. Facebook, we're Facebook slash cranksports. And they can also email me direct if they want. It's Matthewson spelled M-A-T-H-E-W-S-O-N at cranksports.com. Nice. And I'll definitely have all of that in the show notes on the podcast for mm -hmm. you guys. So you can kind of check out uh, some of the content. And then I, I just want to give a personal plug as well, because I'm always someone who's looking for something. I have more of a sensitive stomach um, and I'm always looking for products that are going to be best for my long runs. And I tried both the e-fuel and the gel and I was highly impressed. Um, the consistency was phenomenal. I actually felt like they really fueled my, I did an 11 and a 12 um, these last couple of weeks. And I felt actually really good even in the heat um, running these. So I was very impressed with the products, honestly, Mike, because I've tried a lot of gels, especially. Yeah. Yeah, and sure that was pretty much like the best gel that I've ever had. So nice. I would, I would recommend uh, you guys who have had trouble struggling with gels in the past, probably give um, the e-gel a try because I know it worked for me and, you know, it may or may not work for you, but I, I also liked how it was, I think you alluded to it before calorie wise, that it was a little higher than most gels. Yep. So I felt like I didn't need to take as much, um, which was nice. And so definitely check it out. Mike's actually offering any of our Healthy Runner audience a um, little bit of discount, a little promo code. So if you guys at checkout, just type in Healthy Runner because you are a Healthy Runner. If you're listening right. to this on the podcast or within the Facebook group, um, they will take off 15% off your order. So check it out. I think, uh, you know, check out his website at least. I'm a very kind of a weary buyer myself and like do my research and I've kind of read a lot on the website and that's why, you know, Mike and I connected and, you know, he's offering a lot of great knowledge and hopefully tonight's talk was helpful for you that it will help you be able to fuel and hydrate for your long runs, especially in this heat. If you're listening to this on the podcast, guys, just share the link of the podcast with a friend or someone who needs help with fueling and hydration. They've told you they hit that wall at either mile 10 or mile 11 or their half or mile 20 of their full. And I think some of the tips that Mike talked about and these strategies can certainly help out. And I know I've done these personally in my races and I've only won one full marathon and I did hit that wall at mile 20. So mm -hmm. I would be looking forward to eventually when I can run another full, uh, trying some of these products and trying some of these strategies that you talked about. So I really uh, greatly thank you, Mike, for sharing your knowledge and taking the time with us tonight to educate and 
I thank all of those who jumped on here on the Facebook Live, as well as if you listen on the podcast or those who caught the replay on our Spark Your Training YouTube channel. Um, remember, every Monday night at 8 p.m., we go live within the Health Runner Facebook group. So keep us in mind in your schedule so you can get any of your questions asked, just like a lot of the folks who jumped on here tonight. Um, next week, we will actually be continuing our Running in the Summer series. So we've locked in a bunch of guests these next couple of weeks. And next week we have Steph uh, Blosey from Fleet Feet in uh, West Hartford, Connecticut. And she's going to be talking about how to run in the heat and humidity. So she has a very interesting background as a meteorologist in her former career. So this is going to be a good one. I'm really excited for that. So Mike, thanks again. I really, really appreciate it. I, I appreciate you having me on and I'm going to tune in next week because I want to learn about running in the heat because it's so hot out here. <laughs> <laughs> it's <Awesome>. so hot <laughs> so thanks again guys remember stay active stay healthy and just keep running until next time hey thanks so much for listening to this episode i appreciate you and i hope you got a lot of value out of it and i hope that becoming a healthy runner is as exciting for you as it is for me I hope you can see that this podcast can not only benefit your running, but your overall health as well. If I said something that resonated with you, then jump over to our free Facebook group called Healthy Runner. I give live trainings in there every single week to the hundreds of members. I answer questions directly in there and absolutely love hearing the takeaway and wins that you have from this show. More on the show at sparkyourtraining.com for our latest articles, resources, and specific exercise videos I mentioned in the show. You can also head over to any of my social media accounts at Spark Your Training, where I include lots of free content for all the ideas I talked about in the show. If you have learned anything from this podcast, I would really appreciate if you headed over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and rated and reviewed it as well as pass it along to your runner friends so they can have the same tools and ideas that you now have. If you have any questions, suggestions, and show ideas, the best way to reach out is through your favorite social media platform. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you. Stay active, stay healthy, and just keep running. Now it's time to strap in and get ready for the next episode of the Healthy Runner Podcast.